Welcome to episode 52 of Coffee Pods and Wads, sponsored by Rain Body Fuel, the ultimate fitness performance drink to support you. Um, also delighted to welcome Ollie Clothing as sponsors. Um, Rain and Ollie are both doing their best to support the Irish fitness scene through event and athlete sponsorship. So it's great to have two really supportive partners who have similar views. Um, Ollie are based here on the island of Ireland and work with like National Champ PD Savage and loads of others. Um, in the pipeline, we've got more T-shirts and stuff like that. I know a lot of you've been asking for things. Um, we'll also have a special discount just for listeners. Um, but right now there's no need for a discount because Ollie have an enormous sale on. There's seventy five percent off some of their stock, and they've over seventy percent of their uh, items reduced. Um, there's a link in my bio, uh, so you can go and have a look at the website. Um, thanks for listening and for your continued support of the podcast. Please continue to do so. Like and share everything that you can at Coffee Pods and Wads. Like to you, it might not make any difference. Just throwing it up in your story, but it means one extra person might see it and click in and listen. So it's great. Um, if you can go and like and subscribe and rate the podcast on whatever app you use as well it means it'll show up on more people's um, home screen when they log in um, you can become a patron of the show um, a citizen of caffeination at patreon.com forward slash coffee pods and wads and there's a link in my bio for that as well uh, the train series will continue this friday with an episode focus on um, aerobic capacity with chris hinshaw uh, it's a really good episode so i hope you enjoy it today's guest is Phil Hesketh. Um, Phil has been to the Games twice as an individual in 2015 and again last year on a team. He runs Prepare Programming, he's programmed the Norwegian Sanctional and he programmed the Egyptian one which unfortunately never got off the ground with COVID. Um, he competed in Dubai in a team category last year. He programs for athletes like from Sam Stewart and then just like regular gym goers looking to improve. Uh, enjoy, listen, share and tag. So Phil Hesketh. You're like, I started researching you and I was just shocked at how many, like how involved you are with CrossFit. So I was kind of like, okay, Yon's like prepare programming or whatever. And he's done like, you know, you've been to the games and blah, blah. But then it's like, there's just, I mean, we'll get into it in a minute, but all, just the range of stuff that you're involved with in CrossFit is fairly impressive. Um, we start off easy though. So do you drink much coffee? uh yeah well, i like i drink coffee most days i wouldn't exactly call myself a, a connoisseur of coffee but yeah not so fussy grew up on grew up on the instant coffee so you can't really can't yeah, really yeah. be too fussy when you're from the north of england <laughs> yeah yeah um do you use caffeine in your training then um i mean i drink like a coffee in the morning, I'll drink like a knocko while I train, like the, which obviously has caffeine in, but hmm. honestly, I don't think it's like, I don't know if I'm drinking it because I need the caffeine when I train. Habit, like more than anything else. Yeah. 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 I think so. Habit and taste good. And <laughs> yeah. Um, I love hearing about like, you know, memorable moments guests have had like with coffee and stuff, like maybe a place they were or someone they were with or something that happened or whatever. You seem like a pretty well-traveled guy, so I'd say there's a few different scenarios popping up. Like best coffee? Or just like, to be honest, most of the time it has fuck all to do with the coffee, and it's like more about who was there or what was happening or where you were. Um, I think like the best, or like where I remember like really enjoying the coffee is in Australia. 
Yeah. Like it was very, very hard to get a bad cup of coffee in Australia. Yeah, they know what they're doing. Uh, sorry? They know what they're doing over there. Yeah, yeah, they do. Like really good ca- good cafes, like anywhere you go. Um, even in like the supermarkets. Like if you just go to a supermarket, which obviously like when you're in the UK or Sweden or wherever, if you get like from a petrol station or a supermarket, you're not expecting too much from your coffee. But yeah, yeah. even there, it's like almost like professional baristas like in, the, in a petrol station. So like it's really hard to get a bad cup of coffee there. Yeah. Um, what about podcasts then? Do you listen to a lot of podcasts? Um, I mean, I, I kind of go through phases every now, every now and again. Like I really like the uh, Tony Marquez and mm. Sean Woodland, what they're doing. It's just kind of more keeping up with when things are happening, in, you know, trying to keep up with sort of the trends that are going on in the, in the sports. Although I'm a little bit behind, I haven't listened to the, I need to listen to the ones that Dave Castro and uh, yeah. Rosa have just done. That was interesting. Uh, ca- the talking elite with Castro was interesting. It was, <laughs> it was like, I was talking to Sean afterwards and I was like, geez, you know, well done. Like it's not an easy one to do or whatever. And he was like, yeah, you, after you finish, you're kind of like, oh, I should have said this or I should have pushed harder on that or whatever. I think it's especially hard when it's someone like Castro who has this kind of, you know, you're, well, you're he, a caricature of himself. Like. Chest, like it's hard to get much out of him, I think, by the sounds of it. Like, yeah. you know, he's got, he can't give too much away. Like, yeah. His favorite line is either, I don't want to talk about that, or I'm not ready to talk about that, or else. Yeah. The one he kept saying recently was in the last episode was like, well, it's interesting. And then he'd answer like some different thing that has nothing to do with what they really asked. Like, so he's, you know, he's a, he's a, he's a slippery fucker when it comes to answering questions. <laughs> Yeah, well, it's kind of the the way that CrossFit's been for a long time is that you you don't really find too much out about anything much in advance. Like it's mm. all kind of things change a lot every every season. Things seem to change and it, it changes quickly, and you find out quickly, and you've got to adapt very very quickly to whatever's whatever's yeah, they changed. Kind of, they kind of rely heavily on that prepare or you know be be ready for everything and prepare for the yeah. unpreparable and not like you know it's kind of like yeah. yeah but that shouldn't really include basic information being passed on although it does seem to be changing now i mean i saw i think, that will, I think it will get better and it's still such a young sport as well yeah. like people people forget because obviously we get so anyone who gets into crossfit is so all in like it's yeah. absolutely everything in their life but they forget that it's such a young sport in comparison to you know, it's yeah, a, like you've got FIFA sport. and World Rugby, like they've been around years. Just even the bodies, like, have been around years. Yeah. You know? And I mean, even they, they changed a bunch of rules in, in, in rugby. Like, the rules get changed in sports all the time. Like, our sport, obviously, like, there's been some massive changes. And uh, it, it stresses everyone out. And it, it is difficult to keep up, especially with some poor communication, like a couple of years ago when everything was communicated poorly. But, you know, it happens in every sport that, like, rules get changed they just kind of modified a bunch of the rules in rugby in that they're testing out in new zealand now and the teams are like really really struggling just with like small rule changes yeah. you know it happens in every sport you've just got to hopefully the communication gets better yeah well, i think i saw a few people like putting up screenshots of emails and stuff and they were like i've been doing this 10 years and i've never got an email from hq about something i always find it out on facebook or whatever so like yeah. that's a step in the right direction anyway yeah, that's what needs to get better. Like communication to the to the community and and you know making it easy for the athletes and the 
the brands to because there's so many big brands that want to get on board now but they're not going to commit if they don't know what they're committing to so mm. yeah that needs to get better um how did you get involved with crossfit then in the first place how did you turn into all in for crossfit yeah usual story of like you know playing a sport mine was rugby wanted to get fit and enjoyed crossfit way too much like kind of once i've been doing it a couple months found out that you could kind of compete in it um what year did you start so i started just before the 2012 open so oh, like, you're the, so you're in the games within three opens. Yeah, three, uh, three years. Like it, it was, it was a good start. Like, and you know, Europe wasn't a. There was a few really good guys, but there was definitely opportunity in mm. Europe. Like you, at the time, then like you looked across, and you know, if I'd have been in the central, re- the central, uh, central east region, like where Fronin and all those guys were, like you didn't stand a chance. But Europe was actually quite a good place to be able to like grow and develop in the sport because there were some good guys but there was also a lot of young you know Jürgen and Lucas and Jonne were all qualifying in 2014 for the first time and have been able to kind of develop in Europe since then yeah Um, but yeah I started in 2012 and uh, I did the open that year and like Steve Fawcett was coming down to the gym because we were sort of Clitheroe was one of the only affiliated sort of gyms in Lancashire. Yeah. He was he was coming down and doing the workouts there. So then I kind of got talking to him and he was like the best person or one of the best people around definitely at the time. Um, so I got really good friends with him and just kind of kind of went from there, went and trained with him a lot, um, which made it easy to, to get better very quickly, you know, better quickly pushing mm-hmm. each other each day. And he was always, always better than me. So it was, you know, constantly, constantly chasing someone. Yeah. Um was definitely good for development. You moved to Dubai then, was there the UAE? Yeah. I, yeah, two thousand and I just got lucky. I got on the um I sent I did the the CrossFit strongman seminar with Rob Orlando and I sent him a Facebook message and asked if I could come to, I knew he was going to Oslo. Asked if I could come and like help out and he said I could, so I did. Um and off the back of that got onto the staff for that certification and met um, Marcus Smith who owned Inner Fight in Dubai at one of the seminars. Um, and he sent me a Facebook message and asked if I wanted to come and work out there and just kind of ended up being there for six, six years in Dubai for six years. So it was just kind of right place at the right time mm. uh, with Facebook messages and yeah, managed to make a, a decent, pretty good career out of it. Um, I was watching um the 2015 games recently so my father-in-law is like if if he tosses someone and they're really passionate about something he in turn gets really passionate about it so i was like uh you know during lockdown i was like oh you can watch like the you know the fittest documentaries are on netflix or whatever and he was like oh i'll have a look and he started kind of like muddling through them and he was listening to the podcast as well he's kind of getting to know a few more people and stuff and then he rang me one day and he was like i don't know if you know this but like if you search CrossFit Games 2015, it has all the events in like a playlist. And I was like, right, how do you know this? And he was like, oh, I'm six hours in. <laughs> so he, he had started watching like, I think he watched 2017 first and then he went back to 2015. And um, it was funny, we were over there like last weekend and we watched like, I'd say about three hours of 
you know you have to skip through the shit like where it's just a frozen screen with the logo on it because it's just exactly what was broadcast on NBC or whatever whoever it was and then or ESPN and then you get to the thing and you hear like Sean and whoever calling the action and stuff but it's just it's funny like and then looking at the names and stuff like you say Steve was there and you were there and uh, I think it was kind of I suppose you, you were there in 2015 there was the thing I think the thing I find interesting about it is even if you look at the list of names you know at the start of a workout it was like the flags was like USA 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 Canada USA 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 and then like the Steve's little British flag and then you're like you were living in Dubai at the time that flag you know like it's like you say it was if if everyone was over in America it'd be a totally different outcome so like I suppose going there in 2015 going back on a team then uh like 2019 like after 2015 I can like I'm trying to imagine myself working really hard to get something and like maybe nearly missing out a couple of times and like eventually getting it and then embracing it and enjoying it and then it's over. Like, does it, is there an anticlimax, say, whatever, September 2015? Is there like a lull or is there, or is it like, fuck, I need to not have this be a one-off? Um, right after the games in 2015, there was, it, I don't remember, like there was no sort of, the actual games itself almost when when I reflect on it, it was almost anticlimactic, like to to regionals. Okay. Like the the regionals qualifying for the games that year was that was like it that was incredible and and such a good feeling and, and it almost felt like that is what I was training for that whole season. Like two thousand fourteen I, I just missed out on qualifying for the games. Yeah. And kind of realized, okay, I'm I'm good enough to qualify for the games. And training to for regionals was it was almost once I did that it was just a like a relief that I'd qualified for the games like I'm I've qualified and you know I can train but but I'm there and nobody can take that away now mm-hmm. um, so it that that in a sense was almost quite anticlimactic and I know that looking back whilst I was at the games. Certainly, but I, I pushed hard throughout the weekend, but I definitely can't honestly say that I gave absolutely everything to every workout because it was almost like just being happy that I was there sometimes. Yeah, that was and, like you know, a reward at the end of the... Yeah, you know, someone would... And it's not a great mentality to have, but it's an honest... And it's, it's honestly what, what would happen, you know. People would get in front of you in a workout and it would cross my mind that, well, you know, I'm... I'm almost ranked last going into this like I qualified fifth out of one of probably one of the weaker regions at the time um so it was almost like when people were beating me in a workout it was almost I expected that yeah so it wasn't like a huge stress for me to you know push on and try and beat those those people whether whether I could or couldn't um I was almost just quite content to be there which after the games, I then reflected on and was so motivated to train harder to go back to try and compete again as an individual and not have that man- mentality to like be at the games and actually be there to to compete. So like um, back then, did you enjoy the fact that you'd done it or did you just kind of, was it overridden by a few regrets and then that fueled a bit like the next couple of years? 
the whole experience like i enjoyed it was it was incredible like it's it's probably the you know that and then qualifying again as a team is is the best sort of sporting achievement i've done but definitely like at the time it was quite hard to enjoy certain like you know, i didn't enjoy a single minute of murph because <laughs> i just i just wasn't fit enough to beat like i could tell at the games doing Murph that I wasn't fit enough. I hadn't trained enough to be at that level where I could push for top 15, top 20 on an event like that. Um, And then going straight into the snatch ladder, I pretty much bombed out of the snatch ladder because it just wasn't recovered from Murph. And then we had heavy DT on that night and I was just kind of broken. Like it was actually quite hard to, that, that day of that day of competition was very hard to find some enjoyment from yeah. but then the second almost then I took a lot of pressure off myself and and the, the second two days was the sorry the final two days was a bit easier to enjoy and I think I had slightly better better placings on those days as well and surprised myself on a couple of events yeah. but then after the whole thing it was definitely like I was very very focused in 2016 and 17 to try and make it back to the games to have that goal of like being able to push harder while I was there and really try and compete. And just unfortunately, a couple of injuries, so that, that never ended up happening. Um, yeah, did you again, rupture your, your pec? That was in 2017, yeah. I got a broken hand a few days before regionals in 2016, and then I uh, tore my pec on the ring dips in 2017. Oh, my goodness. So, <laughs> just unlucky. Like, Wasn't there like not 20 good. people or something that happened to as well, though? Yeah, it was something like that. Mine was like two weeks before regionals. Like I kind of felt it. With, I was just doing a lot of ring dips because mm. that was an event that I thought I was going to do really well at. Um, I don't, I don't know why everyone was tearing the peck. I don't know. <laughs> Probably the same thing. Everyone just thinking right ring dips and just over. Yeah, the intensity of doing the kipping ring dips. Um, at ninety-five kilos, like it's a lot of pressure on the peck. Yeah. And then like, so when you go back as a team, then is there like it? So if you mainly enjoyed the feeling of being there in 2015 and there was like, you weren't putting any pressure on yourself, maybe too much. So not putting any pressure on yourself. Was there a reverse of that then? Like, were you able to enjoy last year at all then? Or were you feeling under a lot of pressure? No, like the 2019, like I really, really enjoyed. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really glad that we could like, I'm very glad because that, that, is probably the last time I'll be at the games. Um, and I'm very, very glad that I was able to go compete with a good team. Like we all, we were all good athletes and we all tried as hard as we could. And I was also able to enjoy the experience because I didn't want to have the final experience of the games of like not being able to compete with other teams or just not enjoying it because we had bad sort of chemistry in our team, but like being able to, go and win the sanctional um and then go to the games with Mir as well yeah um because that's something that we really want to do like every year we were trying to each qualify as an individual Mir and I and experience that together and neither it didn't happen for either of us and then Mir actually qualified as an individual that year but chose to go with a team with us so that was a little bit of pressure for the team to step up to, to the level that she she was at that year um 
Yeah, oh, I like being on a team. I had like I had Lauren Fisher on before, and she was talking about being on a team with Rasmus. Like, what's it like? Is there? Are you finding yourself? Do you ever find yourself having to bite your tongue, or are you able to be like you know more more aggressive towards her because like you know each other and it's fine? Like, no, I mean, and Mia's not the right person to be aggressive towards because <laughs> um, she kicked my ass. She has a background in in Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. Fair enough. Um, but we get on like we answered it. We did a podcast last week and got asked a similar question. But we actually got get on really well as a team. And like it took a little bit of time. Like 2016, it was it was harder when we were both individuals. Yeah, um, that's a little bit harder to communicate with with each other because you know one person can have a really good event while the other one could do really badly in the same event, and that's a little bit harder to balance sort of the relationship. And then also trying to compete and focus on your own competition. But being on the team together was actually quite easy. Like we, we got on really well and we were very lucky that the two people, um, Alex and Sine, who joined our team, who I'd barely met Alex before and never met Sine before. Um, we just got on really well as a team. So it was just a really good chemistry the whole time, which is why I think we did really well in the short yeah. time. Because we actually only had a few, sort of, we brought those guys over to Dubai a couple of times for some small training camps, but it was only like three, three or four days at a time, twice before the games. So I think we did pretty well, considering the lack of training we actually did together. How do you train? I'm always curious about that. Like, how do you individually train something like the worm? Or do you just purely focus on stuff like that synchronizing stuff when you're all together and then just work on your own stuff the rest of the time yeah i mean i bought we got a, a four person so that we could do the worm stuff just when we were together um and then i bought a two person once on me and i could practice a little bit as well um but it's not really the same hmm. it was just kind of hammering it like we, they came over to dubai it was either two or three times for like three or four days each time and it was just sort of quite intense and hammering the worm stuff and coming up it was actually quite good that we had the slight language barrier of like two Swedish one Norwegian and one English because it meant keeping the calls really really basic um and very limited as well who said things Mm. um which I think almost worked in our favor that you know you see sometimes there's all four people on the team shouting and screaming at each other um, and we never really had that um, and it was the same when Amelia dropped into the team as well. Um, we just, it, when Cine went out and Amelia came in for Dubai, just keeping things really, really simple. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that worked. worked well, I've been, but, I've been the person on a team before, on like an a pair on a worm who's like, right, I'll do the talking. But in my case, it's like, you know, maybe you're synchronizing burpees. I like vividly remember one synchronizing burpees and I was the one talking. And after three burpees, I just stopped talking. <laughs> it's just like, oh, like, like every time I hit the ground. I'm not actually fit enough to talk and do burpees at the same yeah. time. I was just grunting every time I hit the ground to let them know that I was now on the ground and we could get up again. No, I, the team, team was really good. And if I do more com- competing, it will definitely be like, I would like to carry on doing some team stuff. Like you said there a couple of months ago, like, oh, it's probably the last time we'll be at the games. But, like, it's not as if you're 40. Like, you know, you have another, you surely have another couple of years if you want to do teams. And Yeah, like, doing, I think I'm doing teams. I, I would, I just don't know, like, you know, 
training for being an individual, like I did it for a long time. It takes up like a huge part of your life. Sure. And um, I'm sure we'll get onto the programming, but I've, I've tried doing programming in the past. Uh, you know, I've been trying to go at that sort of small business with different sort of brands for um, five, six years. And you, I don't think you can be all in to running a brand and um, or I don't think I can be all into running a brand and training for an individual at the games, yeah. especially because I think I'm sure some changes will come this season again. I think it'll end up going back more towards regional style, less opportunities. Yeah. Like I think the last year was so, so many opportunities to qualify. I'm not sure if that'll be the case going forward. Maybe they'll kind of reduce that a little bit again, make it a little bit more difficult. Like I just don't have the time to, to run the brands that I want to not only maintain, but grow. And then also train four, five, six hours in the gym every, every day, which is what it takes to be at that top level. Now, like, unless you're extremely, extremely talented and gifted to, you have to put in that work in the gym. Mm. A team, obviously you can put a little bit less in, you still have to train hard, but yeah, a little bit less. And that's probably more where I see, my sort of training training going like more work and less sort of hours in the gym and then so you mentioned programming there like you own prepare programming and you know on on the I was on the website and you've got like a beginner and rx and sanctional level kind of plans like obviously you must enjoy programming for people or you wouldn't be doing it but like it, like can it be difficult rely i'm always curious about like distance programming and stuff and like when you've only got maybe notes or something to work off for feedback and stuff or like maybe a quick message or a quick email or something like it must be difficult to kind of, I guess, cover everything and have every, have everyone be challenged, have everyone be challenged fairly for them and have everyone improving at, you know, maybe not the same rate, but like, I guess the same opportunities for improvement. Like you don't want to neglect one person and focus on another or whatever. It must be difficult. Yeah, I mean, it's it's really difficult. Like, it's one of those um, sort of professions. Like, it's become a very popular thing in the sport now that everyone just kind of runs their own program and does programming. Um, you know, this has been a trial and error for me for for a really long time. Like, I, I first started, I've always been really fascinated by it, by programming. Um, and I first started trying to do it probably about two years into CrossFit. And it's just been a, a long trial and error and this what the prepared programming has almost kind of evolved into has just been kind of an accumulation of that trial and error and, and my experience and being lucky enough to also train with a lot of very good athletes over, especially my time in Dubai. Yeah. Like I was able to train with, with Rasmus and Lauren, um, with street Horner, um, Willie George's quite a few times as well. And then obviously Mia and I, so it's just like been a, I've had a lot of opportunities to train with good people and learn about sort of programming. But yeah, like you said, like probably the most difficult thing with a general program is trying to put out enough that, you know, no matter who signs up to your program, they, they're getting a good product. Mm. Um, which I believe that prepare programming is very good at that. We've, we've kind of, I think we're, kind of unique in the way that we do things we put a lot a lot of information and a lot of um 
additional training pieces into every day and a lot of scaling options into every day, probably more than you would usually get for this sort of standard 45. It's usually 40, 45 pounds, 50 pounds where you're paying for a, for a general program. We put a lot, a lot into that so that we only have to make, so I only have to make one main program rather than doing five, six, seven different programs that you would then have to choose between because the problem that I've had in the past is that people don't know which one to choose. So every single person who comes on who has the option between a beginner, intermediate and advanced level program, every single person was buying the advanced program because they think that that is what's going to make them advanced, not starting with the beginner one. So it was almost like the the drop-off rate of people signing up and then dropping off because it was too hard for them was like really high. So now we have a much, much better like retention rate of, of members because we're giving out sort of all the options and it's almost like a pick and choose and allowing the person who signs up to decide how much sort of volume they want to do, what how they want to bias their training every day and what scale they want to do for every workout, which is a lot of responsibility on the member that they don't kind of overtrain. And that that's hard for me to control when you have, you know, 300 plus people doing the same thing but try and put out as much information as possible so that they can make smart decisions about about training is it difficult though like to say to keep things fresh and interesting like but then you have to be challenging and appropriate and then you have to peak correctly like especially now yeah we don't know what's gonna happen this year but say last year like you say there was fucking dozens of opportunities to peak and times to peak and then you don't want someone like, you know, everyone might have a different time that they want to peak and a different time, a different thing that they're focused on. You could have maybe like 50% that are really heavily focused on the open and then you could have a few that are really heavily focused on Dubai or whatever. Like, do you have to take all those things into account or like you say, does that responsibility kind of rest a little bit more on the athlete? Yeah, we, we kind of gone with that approach because it. I think adding that in as well, like catering for every single competition of the year, that would be way too much. Yeah. Like it would be then you would need separate programs for those yeah, like things. If you're doing Dubai, if you're doing whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So it's more like we, we advertise it as a general all year round program. Yeah. And then we put in optional deloads. Um, we'll always kind of work towards the open because I think everyone should be doing the open anyway, whether you're competing or not, should you do the open? So that's kind of the only time where, the open is like the only time where we will kind of change the training to fit something that's actually happening mm. in the season. Like we wouldn't change training because Dubai fitness championship is coming up. But if someone is on the program who is doing Dubai fitness championship, then it's then putting out advice on the Facebook groups and on the program. If you are planning to start peaking towards this competition and the chances are, if you're going to Dubai fitness championship, you're already a very good athlete and understand that yeah. you should kind of change in the pro the program slightly building up to that. Um, but most of the people on the program are a typical RX level. Um, they'll be doing, you know, local to national level throwdowns and maybe just underneath that sort of last year's sanctional kind of competition standard. Yeah. Um, so it, honestly, it's not like they need to be 
you know, doing so many different training cycles and peaking cycles and deload cycles. Like most of them want to just be in really good shape all year round, do competitions every couple of months when they come back on and just be in good shape, you know, for all of them. Like we're not trying to get in the top 10, 20 games athletes onto the, onto the program because it's not, it's not where the, the market is. Yeah. I think like, You've got Sam Stewart on the books and like I was chatting to him yesterday and I I just asked him like, you know, what like what made you sign up with them or what made you get involved with them just out of curiosity. And he was like, I just kept seeing like their name at like Lowlands, they all did really well. And France, they all did really well. And he was just kind of like, I just started thinking, wait a minute, <laughs> like this is a common thread here that these people are doing really well and they're all coached by the same program. And he kind of said that up until then he'd been kind of, you know, programmed for himself and doing like focusing on his strengths, I guess, like doing those short snappy workouts and no engine work or anything. And I think he was saying the proof is in the pudding when like 2019 open, he finished 39th in Ireland, just in one of the workouts. And then the next year he finishes 39th in the world overall. Mm. Like that must just be, great as a coach to be like yep did everything absolutely perfectly there yeah honestly like it, that was sam's results were you know really good because like i say that the the general sort of the general people on the program the majority of all those people are at the typical rx level and then we have the few you know really really good athletes and when i see those people perform just from following you know sam getting second in ireland and you know all these sanctional events mia qualifying for the games as an individual two years in a row and she doesn't follow anything different to what is on the program yeah no that is like that's really like kind of satisfying for me to be able to think well not only is this general program working for a big population but it can actually work for you know, elite athletes as well, just from following a general, a general program when the usual sort of theory is like, you know, if you're an elite athlete and you want to go to the CrossFit games or you want to go to a sanctional level, you have to be getting individualized programming. Mm. Um, you know, when it, it's, it's not the case, like individualizing programming is, is great, works really well for a lot of people. But if you've got a well thought out general program, you understand how much you should be training each day um, and not overdoing it or underdoing it, you've had a bit of learning process, then you can make plenty of progress and keep building and getting yourself towards those really big competitions. Yeah. And I think you can have a lot of fun at the, at the same time because people, you know, Mir has been able to be on, an, on uh, the normal prepared program and train with, you know, her sister who is also doing it, but is at a much lower level. We've got friends at the gym that are a much lower level, but they do similar sort of stuff. So you're training in a group all the time, which for a lot of people is they prefer being in that group, in that social environment. You know, yeah. Sam trains with trains with a couple of his mates. I don't think are anywhere near the level that he's at, but he can, he's got training partners to kind of push him each yeah. day. Um, but they're all doing like sort of working towards their sort of capacity. Yeah. And then like, do you, do you 
athletes approach you all the time or like is there still athletes say that you might be at an event and you might spot someone and be like i could help that person if they signed up or i could help that person if they did such and such a thing or do you just wait and people approach you like i'm always curious about that with coaches like do they ever go up to someone at an event and be like you know if you ever need help or whatever i don't i don't mean you i don't expect you to go up to someone at an event and be like oh you did really shit in that roller workout i could have to do that your current coach is a dickhead i can sort that out <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna try that next time yeah, yeah, yeah. And the co uh, coach is like i'm standing right here yeah i mean like i've sent i send a couple of messages to people that seem like they would be interested like you know if they've been liking or commenting on some posts and stuff you know mm. send a couple of messages um a lot of it is kind of coming coming to us like we <laughs> it's like a almost everyone has got some sort of program that they're on. Like it's very hard to find someone that isn't already following a program. So I don't really want to be like messaging people like, Oh, you know, you don't want to be on X, Y, Z program and come over to my program. Um, Cause you don't want to get into that sort of yeah. bitchiness behind the scenes. Commenting, so on, commenting on someone's post. Like you, what are you doing yeah. ring dips and that for, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> it's just like kind of letting, People decide. Let people yeah. decide for themselves. Um, do you ever get frustrated looking at other programming that's done? Like, do you ever look at something, maybe another uh, platform or another company or another coach or whatever, and look at something that's being done and be like, "Oh, what are you doing that for?" I mean, I bet everybody does that for like certain, you know, certain workouts that you see. You might think, "Oh, that's not so good," but then they'll say the same thing about yours. But that's yeah. kind of just like a an ego thing isn't it like you always think this is better but for every one that you think that then you look on instagram and you think wow that's a good workout and you almost want to steal it for yourself like there's a lot of there's a lot of really good stuff that kind of outweighs the 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 bad ones same you know and you and you don't get to see the full picture either like unless you're actually paying for the program and you see the the full thing that they're doing that day or that week or that month then it's very hard for them to, you know, someone makes a comment on one workout that you've done, but you don't really see how that fits into that person's week. So it's probably, I'm sure it, you see it all the time, like a little bit of bitchiness, like I would do this, I would change this, I would reduce this and add these reps. But to be fair, you don't really know the full picture, so you can't really comment. Yeah. And then like, what are the areas then that you commonly see people lacking in or like not focusing enough on in their training like is there something that like consistently pops up like i imagine at the start there you were saying that like people that are involved in crossfit are usually like all in so i'm assuming that like overtraining might be an issue especially at the start it's a sign up for a program where it's like here's all this stuff you can do and it's up to you to choose the volume yeah controlling overtraining um especially on hours because we do offer a lot per day that's that's tough and it's like trying to put out as much advice on um sort of the facebook group and on the on the program as well as possible that you you do not need to be doing all of that stuff every day i actually read an article that you wrote about scaling about like the merits of scaling that yeah. was refreshing to hear as someone who scales most things yeah <laughs> but like and i i always use the example that i i whenever i've trained i've, I've always been quite a low volume um kind of i always got the, the most out myself with lower volume 
Um, Mia could use a handle quite a lot more volume than me and did a lot more training than me, her and Street. And I was do, always do do less. Um, arguably, they both achieved better things in that season than me. But like I still, for myself, before, you know, managed to get to the CrossFit Games in 2019 doing a much lower training volume than Mia. Um, and it's just figuring out what works best for you. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just, I think I have a bit of a fragile body. If I do too much, like I, I pick up niggles easily and you know, I don't have amazing mobility. So I can't sort of hammer the, the, when you think about the weaknesses that I have, I can't overly work them because it ends up leading to a sort of overtraining and niggles. Yeah. So just kind of being very intense and precise with the things that you are doing and not feeling like it has to be absolutely everything every single day. Yeah. But that is a difficult thing to get across, get across to people, not just on, on our program, but on every program, especially when you're 20 to 25 years old and you feel like you can take on the world. <laughs> and then like you're involved with sanctions as well then. So like you're heavily involved with like the sanctions in Norway, Dubai, Egypt, like how did, how did that start? And how how like how did you find the experience well i wasn't involved in the programming or anything for dubai or just for but for norway and egypt um norway again was just right place right time like sine is norwegian who was on our team at lowlands and we won that event and she introduced me to roger who owned the norwegian championship and he basically just asked me on that day after we just won the event like you know, Sinny says you do programming and that you're good at programming, like you're interested in programming for my competition. We're running this Norwegian CrossFit Championship next next year, which is when the sanctions were kind of just starting to be a thing. When he said competition first, were you like, oh, some little throwdown on the weekend or whatever? And then he was like, oh, it's a I, knew it was, I knew it was a decent size, but I didn't realize, you know, how big it would end up. Yeah. End up. Um, but that was just like immediate like yes like programming for competitions is something i'm like very very passionate about i find it really fun um it's very very challenging and i think it's way way harder than people would give it credit for it's Um, very it's very intense like because like you were saying there with at the games in 2015 like that's the thing i was thinking when i was watching murph and then the snatch and then dt like i was talking to my father-in-law and he's like why are they struggling so much with this and i was like well they're after doing all those air squats and the running so then the squat snatches are going to be hard and then they're after doing that now they have to do tt and their group has been fucked from murph and the snatch and like it must be hard like i guess keeping so keeping just say one sanctional keeping it as like an all-encompassing test of fitness without it being like too like I don't know, you want to keep the audience entertained, but you don't want it to be too like glitzy and like just yeah. shit programs. It's, it's like just in the balance. The the accumulative fatigue, like over the three days, is the hardest thing to predict. Yeah. Like and programming for day three becomes like really difficult difficult because especially in Norway, I was constantly sort of second guessing myself, like, is day one too much? Is day two too little? You know is this the right loading? Is this the right time domain? And at the end of the day, like if you put the workouts together, it's going to be, it's going to be hard. It's going to be difficult, but like you want it to be the right volume of like people 
are really kind of tired and ready for the weekend to be over, but not smashed and leaving Norway injured and they can't train for the next two, three months. Like, and, you know, trying to figure out that balance of, especially when the level at the Norwegian sanctional was, it was a very varied field from first place to last place was a much bigger gap than let's say somewhere like Dubai or Wadapalooza. It's almost harder. Yeah, you don't want Norway. someone totally left behind. Like, Yeah, I don't want everyone in the first heat to just be stood there and not be able to finish the workout. And then the people in the last heat all blitz through it and there's no separation. So, you know, certain things, it, it was very difficult to... Like, I, we used the hands-down walk ramp and it was really hard to try and think of how much volume I wanted that to be because... It was. I was unsure of exactly what the level was going to be. Oh, yeah. So you're thinking like maybe everyone can do one, maybe fifty percent can do it twice, and then you're trying to separate, like, say, first place, even just first place from fifth place in one heat, like, I guess. Yeah, yeah. So it's just like trying to, you know, balancing the balancing the the volume and the and then and then trying to also create a varied enough test that yeah, it is the spectators are very involved. Yeah. But it's not too much of just a. Show you the actual test as well. So, were you watching? Did you like have an eye on other sanctions? Like, say you competed at Dubai that year, didn't you? Yeah. So, were you at Dubai knowing that you were doing Norway, seeing a workout happen and be like, fuck, I was going to do something like that in Norway? No, but the best thing about competing in Dubai actually was because Rich programmed for Dubai and it was so hard. Like, I was, I was smashed. Like, but I wasn't, I didn't leave injured or anything. Like it was, it was a really, really hard test. And I'd been second guessing myself about Norway being too much mm. and too much volume. And it was almost a little bit refreshing to do. Okay. Well, Rich is not afraid to put in 150 worm squats in a workout. So like, I shouldn't be afraid to put this into, into mine either, mm. you know, cause it was a little bit, you know, a little bit nervous about, you know, bad feedback. Like, Oh, it was too much. It was too much. Um, so then it was like, okay, well, if, if Rick is programming it, then I can program it as well. Like <laughs> I'm going to do 151 worm squats. <laughs> yeah. He's been in it for a long time. So he knows what he's doing. And then um, like when you're, when you program the sanctional though, do you, like, do you try the work? Like, how do you, I assume you trial them or you get someone to practice them and see like what, like, how does that, how do you practice a fucking mountain run in the snow? Yeah. Well, I did that twice actually. Um, we went up to Norway six weeks before I did it once then. And then I did it like three days before I didn't finish. I didn't actually decide the final route un- until literally like two days before. Cause I was kind of, it was, un- it was uncertain on the weather. Yeah. Um, and just trying to make it the right sort of test. Cause it started with that like insane uphill <laughs> And I think that kind of messed people up more than more than we thought it would. It was just grinding up. It was 800 meters, and it took about eight to nine minutes to to get up. Just 800 meters. Yeah. So, like it was it was tough. But I, all the all the individual workouts I did myself at least once, probably more like twice. Um, and when you're doing those, are you like right? If I did that in you know nine minutes, then surely like Chris and Holt who would do it in whatever amount of minutes. Is that how you're kind of thinking about it? Yeah, or? it was usually kind of, I have, I have a very realistic idea of where my fitness was at the time. So it was like, well, I think I would be 
about a fifth place finisher on these events, something like that, fourth or fifth place finisher at this competition on these events. So then it was easier for me to work out, you know, what the sort of top times would be and then be able to sort of scale back from there. Um, and then I we recruited a couple of, the team stuff was a little bit more difficult because I didn't have a, a team available, the same team to test all of them. Yeah. Um, so the team time caps were actually a little bit tighter than I wanted them to be. And then the equipment that we used there, the worms were just not as good as I wanted them to be, um, which made a couple of the team time caps like much tighter, which kind of upset, like not annoyed me. I wanted, I wanted some teams to finish more of the events. Um, but that was just because that was just a mistake. Like if I, when we do it next year, we'll just definitely get up with a team a little bit earlier and test with the exact equipment that we're going to use at the event. And did you, did you find it like nerve wracking being there then with the events going on? Like, were you like, you know, watching the clock and watching the work happen and being like, Oh shit, they should be further ahead here. Yeah. I was so nervous. Like I watched, I think I watched almost every single heat of every single event. Like, I don't, I just couldn't not be there watching. Like I, I wanted to see what was going on. Like, and I thought that I thought of everything, but even when we did one of the team events and it was a max clean, it was just so messy on the floor. So I was so stressed making sure, you know, like I could um, help sort of make the flow better in between, in between heats without affecting the workout so that it, it could still be compared. But like just little things that like, you think you thought of everything and there was just something that could kind of, that you could take note of to do better, do better next time. But it was definitely stressful. It was stressful watching the whole thing. But then on the flip side of that, like when people were crossing the line and qualifying for the games, it was almost as sort of satisfying as when I qualified myself, like to be, to be a part of it and know that the, the weekend was as successful as it was. Cause I think it was a very successful sanctional from last season yeah. Uh, got really good feedback like that was such a good feeling to be part of that yeah no, that's good and then I suppose like we've kind of touched on it at the start like so the sport now like okay according to Castro anyway like the new CEO seems as far as I can tell he's a really big fan of the sports side of it and like he wants to get it back like on network TV and he wants like he wants to use that to entice people into the gym and then help them solve their problems once they're in, like rather than using it to kind of scare people away or whatever. Castro's talking about like these new events throughout the year that are going to be like anyone can enter and stuff like that. He's talking about using the open to uh, grade people like scaled inter or X or whatever. Um, like I kind of have this theory that regions are going to come back and that sanctionals will be some kind of like world series or something with like, mm-hmm. you know, like a champions league kind of thing but like maybe like a loud live series and then maybe like filthy Norway, France, Dubai or whatever might make a second one or whatever. But I was kind of curious where you think things might go, say like 2021 when things are a bit more back to normal. Say like it sounds like obviously the live and loud kind of group are making it clear that they're not affiliating with CrossFit. So, and they have um, sort of a huge network of 
competition. They have five competitions just in themselves. They have the, all brands. They have athletes as well. Mm. They're a lot affiliated with that. So it sounds like they're kind of going into that that route of creating their own sort of competition season the way that they want to do it. Um, it sounds like Dave was definitely not the person behind any of those decisions that changed the CrossFit season. Yeah, I think uh, like looking back in hindsight, it's like it's blatantly obvious he couldn't have been like because he lo- like he clearly loves it so much and he loves like you like he loves that programming thing and that like oh I'm gonna fuck some people up and retest them like and like he said recently I think it was on that interview with talking elite lads someone said something about like oh what about the athletes that have opted out like will they be welcome back in he was like yeah yeah anyone you know they just have to let us know in advance so that we know we need to let other athletes know but he was like I was on the athlete call with them with everyone and I was kind of saying like you know there's there won't be any cuts um i i don't intend on there being any cuts because i want you to feel all the pain <laughs> i just kind of like if that was last year he surely would have been like if he had had the call i think he would have been like there's just going to be too many people yeah it's, it can't you know i wouldn't be surprised if crossfit brings back a, a slight a, a kind of regionals format but maybe using some of those sanctionals i mean the sanctionals were great in that yeah. they <laughs> they paid crossfit money rather than i think one of the issues with regionals was that it costs so much money for crossfit to put those events on um and the sanctionals just bring like a like a unique quality as well like yes they got a look the season got quite messy yeah. there was a lot of things going on there was probably way too much like yeah. you every single weekend the sanctional like they can definitely reduce that season down but i think they should keep the idea of like individually programming and allowing you know the country to kind of express themselves in the programming a little bit as well like Norway was allowed to use you know if, if it was a regional we wouldn't have been able to do that run yeah yeah because you can't retest a snow run in Dubai yeah just like you can't do the the, the the one of the iconic things about Dubai is doing in the desert run you know and and they became like really cool parts of the sport not as sort of uniform as regionals. Um, so I would kind of like to see if they brought back almost like the regional style. So maybe top three or top five go from, you know, six to 10 premier events in the season that yeah. have someone or a team of people overlooking the programming, but still allowing the individual event to do their programming, allowing them to run the competition as they want it to run. Mm. But there's maybe a board of, you know, a, a committee that kind of just red flags anything that... You and Rich. Is a, huh? You and Rich. <laughs> no, me and Rich. Oh, I wouldn't turn it down. Um, but, you know, just controlling maybe the the volume. Make, I suppose making sure it's like a fair... Yeah, making it, making it fair, like, like China doing five events in two days and getting someone to the games, and then Australia was thirteen or fourteen events yeah. in four days. Like it, it's too big a difference between the two ways yeah. to qualify. Like it, it doesn't have to be the exact same events or the exact, uh, exact same number of events, but just some sort of guidelines to kind of control it a little bit. I think is needed. Yeah, I like. I think I was talking I was talking to Sam about it yesterday and we were kind of discussing what might happen or whatever and like 
he was saying he likes the idea probably because he wants to win it but he likes the idea of like national champion like being a thing but then yeah. maybe having some kind of cut off that like just so that every national champion doesn't automatically get their ticket punch but maybe like okay yeah if you're national champion and in the top 300 or something in the world or another way of maybe utilizing the sanctions will be like oh if you're national champion and you don't qualify through the open you're you automatically get a ticket to such and such a sanction and then that's your opportunity to qualify or something i think it's just a different it's it's a really good thing that they touched on the national champion thing but i think it is a different event to the crossfit games mm-hmm. like it almost encourages this sort of fitness festival kind of vibe like inviting all of the national champions, male and female, um, doing the, the flag ceremony and showing off like the diversity and cultures in the sport, which I think is great. But I think it is a different event to the CrossFit Games. Like the CrossFit Games, I think should still be the elite 20, 40, whatever people going through that four day test, all doing the workouts. And okay, this is 100% the fittest man and woman and team on earth. But then, Maybe there is a separate event that is slightly more inclusive. The aim is not to crown the fittest person on earth, but it to bring together the community in a different way, yeah. in more of a fitness festival kind of way. Still a competition. I don't know exactly how it would work, but maybe it is a, a really good thing that they brought up, but it, they kind of tried to merge it with the games and have all-inclusive and the fittest person on earth and maybe that is a little bit too much to try and have those two things yeah yeah no i like that i like that might i might have a chance of not qualifying for that as well um so, so i finish off with a, a quick fire um so bar or rings uh rings god even after your peck um <laughs> row or run definitely row uh snatch or clean Clean. Strength or engine? Strength. Chipper or sprint? Chipper. Uh, best piece of equipment in the gym, in your opinion? The best piece of equipment? Ugh. A set of uh, 22.5 dumbbells or 15 per go. <laughs> um, okay, you're, you've, you've, they've changed the system totally for the games and they're just handing out team tickets randomly. We are not allowed to bring anyone from your team from last year. So what three people would you pick? What three new people? So one guy and two girls. And you can't pick uh, like uh, you can't pick Fraser and Toomey because everyone always says that. And it just no, I, give, I, give, I give Sam a shout then. Okay. Um two girls. Um Briggsy and Emma McQuaid. Oh nice. God it's very Irish, British. Yeah, there'd be a lot of be some bad accents in that team. <laughs> that would be as bad as your Norwegian Swedish language barrier. You just have to pick one person to say one word. Yeah, I don't know if I change my mind now. <laughs> no, listen, uh, thanks a million for coming on. I really appreciate it. Uh, it's been great to chat and best of luck. Whatever happens next year, I think Norway's picked a date already, so hopefully that goes ahead and everything goes as planned. Yeah, cool. Cheers, Thank you man. very much. Thanks for having me. Really enjoyed it.